I think you already got the introduction. Let's welcome back again, Dan Woods. Good morning. Whoa. Thank you. So good to be back. Tabby and Ethan, thanks for singing. Mr. Eckerley, great to see you again. Thanks for having me back. I would, uh, it's been a long time uh, walking in the shoes of, as an administrator of a school. And so I don't know if you know all the things that go on behind the scenes. So, but I just want to recognize your your boss and your superintendent, Mr. Heckerly, um, you guys just need to give him a round of applause just for his, just encourage his heart today because of what you do. Those are, those are not, those are not easy jobs. And um, after stepping out of, of my role at Northland Christian in Houston, I've gotten several calls from people who want administrators. And so it's hard to find a good administrators, you guys have a good one. So I'm encouraged to be back here around you guys. So you're on a mission here. You're assisting the family and the church. This is for the teachers and the staff. You're assisting the family and the church, um, love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you're aspiring to equip students with a biblical worldview that empowers them to stand for truth. And so as Gordon and I were driving out this morning, just the, the biblical worldview that is needed in our world is... Uh, is, is um, beyond what we think we need right now because there's so many different views out there in this world. You're seeing them and the competing worldviews. So today we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2. So if you've got your Bible and you want to take your Bible and open it up to Colossians chapter 2, this is probably my favorite part of the Bible in Colossians in chapter 2 because it so ties into having a biblical worldview. And basically, the theme of Colossians chapter 2 is philosophy or Christ. Are you going to follow the world's philosophy or are you really going to follow Christ? And are you going to be captivated by the world or are you going to be captivated by the Word of God? Are you going to be captivated by Christ? Because the Bible says we're either being, you're being held captive by one or another, all right? So let's look at Colossians chapter 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, the Colossians he's talking to, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen my face, seen me face to face. So Paul's in prison and he's sending a letter back. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of fullness of assurance, of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am absent in body, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So if we just look at the first five verses, Paul's saying he wants them to be encouraged. He wants to reach the full riches of assurance of understanding. He wants them to understand the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he wants to make sure that no one is deluded. In other words, or other words, no one is tricked. Then he goes on to verse 6. It says, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, he encourages them. He says, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, abounding in thanksgiving. So he says, these are the things I want to encourage you with. And then he sticks a warning and then says, he basically says, Here, don't be tricked. And then he goes back and says, 
Here's the way you need to walk. Walk in him, rooted, build up, established, abounding in thanksgiving. Those are things that we need to do. But he also is saying, there's things that you're going to be tricked on by other people. And then he says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. I was walking out of the house this morning. My wife gets up. She is not an early morning person. She does not get up early. So I have to kind of get in the shower. I have to be real quiet around the house and stuff in the morning. I got a coffee machine. I have to, has to, I put a towel over it sometimes so, you know, to muffle the sound so it doesn't wake her up. And, but this morning she comes out and she says, how can I pray for you as you guys are driving out there? I said, just pray because there is so much in this. There is so much in Colossians 2. We could spend a week here. Literally, we could spend a week talking about Colossians 2. And this is just the first part of the chapter. How many of you have ever been deceived? You've been tricked. Come on, come on, raise your hand. The Bible says all men are liars. We, we've all been tricked, right? We've all been tricked. And it's really hard to admit you've been tricked. I was tricked one time at the Webster County Fair. They had this thing where you took a ball and you threw it in the basket and they'd throw the first ball in there and they'd throw the second ball in there and then the guy would give you a ball and you'd throw the ball in the basket and if you could keep the ball in the basket and it didn't pop back out, you'd win money. This was in 1974 I was there and I was, this guy was throwing the ball in there. He'd throw two in there and I'd take the third ball and I'd throw it in there and sure enough, I'd throw it in there and it'd pop out every time. And he'd say, and so it was like a dollar. I'd give him a dollar, and then you do it again, get another dollar. Pretty soon, I was up to $20, and he was like double or nothing, honest, double or nothing. And a buddy of mine comes walking up behind me, and he goes, that thing's spring-loaded. I'm like, what are you talking about, spring-loaded? This whole time? So there was a spring in the back of that bucket, and so you'd throw the ball in there, and the guy would actually, he'd tap it two times, or he'd throw two balls in there, and it was spring-loaded that the third time you'd throw the ball in there, when the ball hit the back of the bucket, there was a thing on the back of the bucket, you couldn't see it, because it was inside the bucket, and it hit the back of the bucket right when the ball hit, and the ball would pop out. So finally, I'm like, okay, why don't you, and then I asked him to do it, and then he, the guy wouldn't do it, and I was like, I realized I'm... I borrowed 20 bucks from my friend in 1974, and it took me a while to pay that back. I didn't even tell my parents because they were like, you're an idiot. But I was deceived, but it's really hard to admit that. So I was in a jail in, in Lakeland, Florida <clears throat> as a visitor. I was in jail in Lakeland, Florida, and I went in with these guys. They were all ex-convicts that I went in with that went in to share the gospel. And we went to the first place. There are like seven buildings at this, at this complex in Lakeland. We drive up to the first one. We get up there. The door's locked. We can't get in. And we're supposed to. We, this is right where we're supposed to be. We're knocking. We're pulling on the doors. And finally, one of my buddies who's next convict, he goes, I've never had this much trouble getting into jail. <laughs> All the doors are locked. Finally, we get in. We get inside there. And, and I've got some card tricks that I'm going to use. And they're letting me come in because we're basically going to walk out into the compound there in the area in the courtyard we're going to basically talk to these guys and witness to these guys and so i've got some card tricks and stuff so i'm gonna do a few sleight of hand tricks you know they're pretty easy tricks so i started doing a couple card tricks and this guy comes walking over and the white guy's like hey yeah he goes show this guy some card tricks show him some of your magic and i'm like yeah and i introduce myself and the one guy turns and he goes this guy used to open for david copperfield in las vegas and he said he got into drugs and stuff. He got thrown in jail here in Florida. I'm like, oh, maybe I won't do any magic tricks today, right? So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, there's a guy standing over here. And the guy's like, yeah, he's gotten into so much trouble um, for doing stuff in jail. Because, you know, you can win money and you can, you know, all this stuff in jail. So he, he basically, this guy can't, 
he can't touch any of the cards. So I walk over to one of the guys standing there, the like one of the warden guys, one of the guards, and I said, hey, I'm just, I'm Dan Woods. I'm from, you know, Nebraska. I don't, I'm just, I'm not causing any trouble. I'm just going to do some card tricks. And this guy said he's pretty good at magic. And can I have him do some card tricks? And he goes, no, sir, he cannot do any card tricks. I'm like, why not? He goes, he's been causing too much trouble in here with his magic. So if he picks up those cards, he's going to, he's pretty much going to the hole. He's going to solitary confinements. So I said to the guy, I said, well, I talked to that guy. And he, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They already told me I can't touch any card tricks. Okay. So I do a couple card tricks. He's not impressed at all. Kind of the other guys are kind of impressed. But then he goes, hey, he goes, this guy will do a trick for you. And so I turned to the guy and I said, hey, he says he's got a trick for me. Doesn't involve cards. Can he do the trick? And I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, go ahead. So he comes over and he takes my ring off. He goes, he goes, are you married? I said, yeah, I got a wedding ring. He says, I'm going to take your wedding ring. He goes, let's put it in this hand right here. So he puts my wedding ring in my hand right here. And he goes, here's what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to take your wedding ring. And he says, I'm going to move it from this hand to this hand. And you're not even going to know it. And I'm like, no, you're not, buddy. Yeah, you can try that stuff in Vegas. It's not working for me. So I stand there and he takes my hand and I've got it in here. And all I can think of is don't let my mind leave my hand right just just keep your mind just don't and he's like he's like but he, he goes listen he goes if for some reason your mind shifts from this hand to this hand he said i won't get it to move across there he said you've got to think about this ring being in this hand he says if you even think about it going over there it won't go over there so i i i'm standing there he's standing in front of me grabs both my wrists and he starts holding my wrist and shaking my wrist like this. And he goes, here's what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to bring your wrist together 15 times. And he says, on the 15th time, your ring is going to move to this hand. I'm standing there. All these guys are standing around the courtyard. He's like, boom, 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 doom, doom. He gets to 14, 15. And I was like, ha, ha, it didn't move. Ha, you're not that great. And he goes, I don't know. That's crazy. He goes, that trick always works. He goes, you're the first guy in all the years I've been doing magic that that hasn't worked. And I'm like, see, guys, he's not as good as you think he is. Steps away. And he goes, hey, what time is it? I said, I don't know. Let me check. My, wa my watch was gone. My watch was gone. He had taken my watch off of my hand. And it's in his pocket. So he pulls my watch unhooked and he goes, hey, here's your watch. And I'm like, that's crazy. All the guys are going crazy. And you know how hard it is to like, okay, you're right. I'm wrong. You tricked me. I'm putting my watch back on, right? We get, I, I step away and he goes, hey, he goes, say, hey. He says, we get back to Nebraska, say hi to your wife. I'm like, you don't know my wife. He goes, yeah, but you're married, right? You got a wedding ring. And I'm like, yeah, he'd taken my ring too. And it was in his pocket. So not only I started with a ring in my hand and my watch in my arm, and I walked away from the guy having nothing, right? He gave it back to me. But it was really hard because when you're deceived, it's really hard to understand and admit and say, okay, you tricked me. You got me. You're right. You're right. You're right, and I'm wrong. And that's kind of what it was when God started showing me, read your Bible. I was realizing the stuff that I was reading in the Bible was completely different than what I had viewed in my mind. And my biblical world view was wrong. And so literally, it was kind of like this. Just put a little duct tape on your mouth, Dan. Go to your prayer closet. Basically admit that God is right and you're wrong and just shut up for a while until you get that settled in your heart that he's the absolute. He's the way. He's the truth. The word of God is accurate.
But the people of Laodicea, they possessed different worldviews. They had they were caught up in Jewish legalism. They were talked. Uh, they were caught up in pagan mysticism, ceremonial rituals. Basically, they've been also. There was a worldview that they were told that there was a higher knowledge above Scripture was a, was a necessary for enlightenment and salvation. In other words, they were they were basically saying there's there's a wisdom above all of this stuff. There's a wisdom and knowledge above God. They were the wealthiest, most important commercial center of the re of the region. It's primarily known for three industries: banking, wool, and medicine. And the medicine, which was interesting, was ISAV. The medicine in the Laodicean area was was ISAV. So let's just look at some eyes. Do you guys recognize these eyes? Do you know whose eyes these are? Whose eyes are they? George Washington. Those are George Washington's eyes, right? So if you've looked at a dollar bill enough times, you're like, okay, I recognize those eyes. If you don't recognize those eyes, you're probably spending your money too fast or you don't use cash anymore. <laughs> probably true, right? But here's the deal. I heard this week that in order to accurately portray the current value of the $1 bill, and the feelings of our founding fathers, the government has changed the $1 bill. Did you guys know this? They've changed it. They've been changing them over time. So they've changed it again. The new $1 bill looks like this. I'm not. Okay, that's kind of funny, right? Kind of funny, right? That's what it's really worth. The $1 bill today is really worth two cents. Oh, Dan, you, you're one of those guys. If I would have bought gold in 1971, I would have paid $35 for one ounce of gold. I could take it at the end in, in December of 2021. I could have taken that same piece of one ounce gold, taken it to the pawn shop or taken it to a, a play, jewelry place or someplace that would exchange that gold for money and I would have gotten $1,781. That's 98% decline in the, in the dollar from 1971, from inflation and all of that stuff. So if I would have held on to that dollar from 1971 and I wait till 2021 and I pull that thing out, basically I try to buy what I have to buy now, it's only worth two cents. So it's kind of a joke. It's about a yeah, $100 bill, right? We're spending, like when you ask your parents, I used to ask my parents for a five. That was a lot of money. Now it's 20. Put gas, like put gas in your car. If you pay cash, you go inside. It's like, here's 100. I hope I can make it, right? It's going to be 50, 60 bucks. But look at, they've also changed that we're worried about their founding fathers and emotionally how they're feeling about things. So look at Washington's face in the $1 bill. He's not, this guy's worried. This, is this guy worried? This guy's worried. He's... Let's take a simple eye test. Some of you guys have done this. I've done this with the seniors. Here's a box. Finished files are the results of years of scientific study combined with the experience of years. Your job is to look inside the box. Please look inside the box and only count the letter F. The letter F. Tell me how many letter Fs do you see inside the box? Letter F. Once you have an answer, just raise your hand. Have a little conviction about what you believe. How many Fs? You got any hands? How many Fs do you see? There's no wrong answers. 
How many F's? Come on, who's got an answer? How, how many? Five? Thank you. Anybody else get five? All right, let's move on. Anybody else get a different answer? Right. How many did you get? Six. Anybody get three? Good. Anybody get two? Anybody get five? Four? Anybody get four? Okay, there's six. What? Six. Finished is one. Files is two. Of is three. Of is four. Scientific is five. And of is six. You guys with me? You with me? Oh, yeah. I hate these games. Yeah. We're just checking your eyes. You probably get a little eye salve, right? I hate these. It's kind of like, you know, you don't get a math question. You go to the teacher. You're like, I hate math. No, you just don't get it, right? Okay. There's six of them. These are, there's a white screen with black dots. There's a right answer. There's six. And if you're a reading person or a reading teacher, you basically understand that you, you, what I did was I tricked you. You went back to kindergarten. I said the letter F and you went, you made the F sound, right? But the English language has 26 letters, 44 sounds. What you forgot was the F also makes the sound. So it's of, of, or of, of, right? Okay. So it's, it's six letters. You've been tricked. Okay. So people who are deceived don't know they're deceived until they're confronted with the truth, right? It's like my, Bruce, my friend Bruce Crevier walked into my office one day, and he goes, Dan, you don't read your Bible enough. I'm like, what do you mean you don't, I don't read my Bible enough? He said, yeah. He says, I've watched how you discipline your kids. He said, and I watched how you discipline them, and I realized that you're not using a biblical model to discipline your kids. He goes, I don't think you're reading your Bible enough. I was pretty angry with him. He was right. I wasn't reading it enough. I wasn't reading it at all. I wasn't reading it at all. Okay, so my mom used to work in the bank for 35 years, and sometimes she'd come home late from the bank because I had this machine in the back, in the back that basically all the checks would run through this machine, and, it, and at the bottom of the check, it has these, this magnetic ink on it, and so they'd come through, and it'd go, shoo, 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 and basically it's processing all of the checks, and it's taking money out of the count, but there was, she was the one that would run that machine in the back, so these stack of checks would come through. They'd sit back there, and they'd go, shh, 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 and basically it's reading all of those, and then it's going to the computer, and it's taking it out of your account. Well, some of the deposit slips didn't have the magnetic. You know, in the back of your checkbook, you know, you pull out, and it's got deposit slips. Well, it has that pre-printed number on the deposit slip, and it's in magnetic ink. And so when you use those, those run through there, with the checks and it basically makes the deposit. Well, some of them, if you go to the bank, it has a deposit slip like this where there's no number in it for the account. You have to write your number in it, right? So there was a guy that went to the bank and he took a stack of those and he went home and he had a, a he took his printer and he put some magnetic ink in the printer and he printed his account number on all those deposit slips. Then he went back to the bank, and every few days he'd go into the bank, he'd make a deposit, but he'd take a few of those slips and he'd take the stack and he'd shove a few of those in there in the stack, and it had his bank account on it. So people come into the bank, make their deposit, and they'd pull one of those slips out, and it already has a number written in it. They don't think anything about it. And the teller thinks their numbers are already in there, so they're just filling in the amount, giving it to them. It's going in that machine, going boom, 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 goes through there. So he withdrew two hundred fifty thousand dollars 
because people had run money into his account and they didn't even know they were running it into his account because he had these pre-printed pre-printed uh, deposit slips that he had shoved in the stack. And so these people were just depositing money into his account all the time. Deception. You don't even know where, we don't even know it. So if we can't trust our eyes, what can we trust? Four questions. So Paul was saying to them, there's different worldviews in Laodicea. He said, don't be confused with those things. Don't be deluded. Four questions. The question of origin, the question of purpose, the question of destiny, and the question of morality. So the first question is, where did I come from? Where did I come from? Did I come from monkeys? Did I come from fish? Where did I really come from? The next question of where am I going? So where did I come from? Where am I going? I got in the car this morning. I knew exactly where I was going. I know where I came from. So we have moved. My wife and I have just moved back to Alaska. We're glad to be back here. I mean, Nebraska. We're, we're, we're here in in Nebraska, we've moved back here. But that's, we know where we're coming from. We know where we're going. So the question is, why am I here? You're sitting here at Nebraska Christian. Why are you here? Obviously, to get an education. And the last thing is, how should I live? So if I know where I came from and I know where I'm going and I know why I'm here, why, how should I live? How should I live my life? Those are the questions that every worldview has to ask. And that's what Paul was saying to the Colossians. And he said, and the people in Laodicea, he said, make sure you answer these questions. But the real question that every worldview has to answer is, what is your supreme authority for truth? What are you counting on as truth? We can't trust our eyes. We can't, we can't trust the guy who says, well, I'm going to move your ring from one side to the other hand. We, we can't trust ourselves to think of that. So what's our supreme authority? Is your supreme authority the popes, the rabbis, the religious traditions, the church, the, the history, or the, the church fathers, or the human reasoning, or, the, or oh, maybe it's your experience, or maybe it's Google, right? That's, that's what you trust. Now, you can trust a few things on Google. Maybe it's the Bible. If you have a biblical worldview, you trust the Bible. And that's what Paul is saying to them in Colossians. He's saying... He said, don't be deceived by the philosophy of this world. Don't be taken captive. Be captivated by Christ. This article just came out, I think it was yesterday, a couple days ago. Millions of U.S. kids to be told which news is fake. So this company is now, it's, it's, it's basically you subscribe to this, and they're going to tell you what's true and what's not true. Oh, sign me up. Let's read the article. American Federation of Teachers the most liberal, the most liberal teachers association in the world, besides the NEA, they basically are saying, this is perfect for kids. Matter of fact, it's only $2.95 a month. But if you have Microsoft, it's free. Hmm, that's interesting. I trust Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. NewsGuard this company claims to be apolitical. In other words, they don't have any political affiliation. But Richard Stengel at the bottom, who served under Barack Obama as the State Department, the Department of State's Public Affairs Chief, said on record that state propaganda was fine. 
So here's a guy that's on, in this system that says the state should have propaganda that they put out to people. Wait a minute. And this is the group that's going to tell millions of kids now what's true and what's not true on the Internet. Coming to a school not near you. But what does the scripture, Paul says, what does the scripture say? In Galatians 4.30, he said, what does it say? What does the Bible really say? There's the internal testimony of the Bible. It's holy. Everything I'm putting on the screen, you can back up with a Bible verse. Everything. It's holy. It's pure. Inerrant. Infallible. Living. Eternal. Forever. Settled in heaven. And the seed that brings forth light. It illuminates. It cleanses. It saves. It frees. It guides. It converts. It heals. It judges. It sanctifies. It brings conviction. It gives knowledge. It gives wisdom. It produces faith. Refutes error. Searches the heart. Equips for every good work and is a sword to slay the devil's lies. The Bible can do all of those things. Jesus Christ can do every one of those things. I've seen him do a lot of those things. Scripture has authority over the, over the traditions. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and he says, In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold the tradition of men. He said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. Jesus confronted the lies. Had a friend, uh, Mike Gendron, that stayed at our house the last, uh, last couple of weeks, a couple of weeks ago he stayed with us. And Mike kept saying to me, he goes, Danny, he goes, as a, as a Christian with a biblical worldview, he said, we cannot let a lie of the devil go unabated. We can't, if someone throws a lie out there, he said, we cannot let that sit there. He said, we have to refute it with the word of God. And he's right. What we do is we sit back, oh, I don't, we don't really want to contend for the faith today. Or we don't read our Bibles enough, so we don't even know how to refute it. Trusting God versus trusting man. That's what Paul was saying in Colossians here. He was saying, you're going to trust God, you're going to trust man. You're going to philosophy of the word, you're going to trust man. Cursed is the man who trusts the man who makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert, shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust in the Lord. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I say this, so if you go back to Colossians chapter 2 in verse 4, he says, these are the two things he says about delusion. He says, the command is, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. And then he goes on in verse 8 and he says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. So what's your supreme authority for truth? That's a real question. If you don't answer this and settle it in your heart, you're, you're going to be wishy-washy. You're going to be lukewarm. If you don't settle, what is your supreme authority for truth? In other words, God's word is true and I'm going to believe it. And you're not going to like it, but I'm going to believe it. But here's the deal. Jesus said, he said to the disciples, he said, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jesus. You're, you're, you're describing us as lambs. You're the shepherd. You're sending us out among wolves. What chance do we have? among wolves well 
What's Psalm 23 says? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Right? Rod, you hold on to it. The staff holds you up. <clears throat> the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. In other words, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. You trust me. You listen to me. You're not going to be tricked. You will not be tricked if you listen to the Savior. We all have, like sheep, gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. You've probably seen this. This is, this is sheep. And this is what he's describing us as. He's like, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Sheep are smart. See ya. What? He's describing us as sheep. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, here's like, here's like, oh, here comes Dan Woods. Woo! Oh, we're not like sheep. Come on. I'm a strong, I can, I can handle this. I can protect myself. No. Those wolves, you know where they go for? They don't like grab the sheep's leg. You know where they grab, they go for? The throat. If you got a sheep out there and the wolves or the dogs have come, your sheep ain't going to be laying there and they're like chewed off the legs. Every one of those sheep, there'll be blood just running out of their neck because they go right for the throat. The devil is going for your throat. He is coming at us. He's coming at the church. He's coming at the school. And he's coming for you. And he's starting with your mind. Prepare your mind for action. The good shepherd, Henry, Matthew Henry says, the good shepherd will not only conduct but convoy his sheep through the valley where there are in danger of being set upon the beasts of prey, the ravening wolves. He will not only convoy them but comfort them when they must most need comfort. His presence shall comfort them. Thou art with me, his word and spirit shall comfort them. His rod and staff alluding to the shepherd's crook. Under the rod which the sheep passed, they were counted. The shepherd counted them. He knows which ones are his. He'd hold that he'd hold that 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 shepherd's crook out. He'd hold that out there. The sheep would he'd get him in between the rocks and him, and the sheep would go underneath there, and that's how he counted them. That's how he knew if any of them had run off. So every now and then, that shepherd would he be counting those sheep? He knows which ones are his. He knows which ones are coming. You can't fool him. And then he knew if he had to leave and go and get them. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for those of you. And then in verse 3 in Colossians, Paul says, in whom are hidden all the treasures. You don't have to trust the wisdom of this world. The Bible says in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31. And I'm just going to take a few minutes. I'll just walk you through this last part because this really ties with people like, oh, yeah, but <clears throat> yeah, Jesus is wisdom. We get our wisdom from the Bible, but. You know, how do I know it's not, you know, well, 1 Corinthians, Paul addressed it, philosophy of crisis. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Verse 19, 1 Corinthians 1, 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. 
For Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles, but those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For considering your calling, brethren, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became, right here, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness, sanctification, sanctification, redemption. So that's written, let no one boast. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So basically in 1 Corinthians 1.18, human wisdom is cross is folly to the perishing. So in other words, don't believe it. God's wisdom is the cross is the power to save. Human wisdom is Jews demand signs and Greeks sought wisdom. We preach Christ crucified. Stumbling block to the Jews, folly to the Gentiles. It's the power of God. It's the wisdom of God. Man thinks he's wise. God said, I'll choose what's foolish to sh shame the wise. Man thinks he's strong. God uses the weak to shame the strong. They were all looking for Jesus to come on this, you know, horse or whatever. And he comes walking in on the donkey. A donkey, right? So the sacrificial lamb, they'd take the lamb out, and then they'd come back in, they'd bring the lamb back in, they'd say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were expecting, they weren't expecting a guy riding a donkey. That's what he did. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, became to us the wisdom of God. Here's a key piece I want you to take home today. <clears throat> in deception. You go to Matthew 24, the disciples came to Jesus privately and they said, When's it going to happen? Tell us, when will these things be and what will be, the sign, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? How many have thought about the end of the age? Like with all this stuff's going on in the world, you're like, Jesus could return. Like, he could return tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, he could return today. Yeah, there's some crazy, we're a couple clicks away from, from like a one world currency. You guys realize that. Maybe one, did I say two clicks? We might be one click away from all the money going digital. Do you realize that? Amazon, you go to Amazon's website and you, you, you type in Amazon Palm Pay. They got a little cartoon right now. Like people are walking around, they're walking, they're scanning their hands at some venues to get stuff at, at, at Amazon. They're promoting it. You can sign up for it. You don't think we're one or one click away from the end of all of this happening and Jesus Christ returning? You guys are a generation that I think you could possibly see this happen. I mean, these are exciting times. And for me, I, there's two things I'm going to do. There's two things I'm doing right now. And I'll show you on the very last slide the two things I'm doing. But they come to Jesus and they say, When's this going to happen? When's the end of the age? 
It's like when you take a timeout in basketball, right? You see these NCAA teams, they take a timeout in basketball. They got seven coaches, right? And so the head coach, a lot of time the head coach doesn't even say anything. He just stands back. And all these assistant coaches, this assistant coach, he'll go grab the center. And he'll tell the center this is what he's got to do. These guys, this guy talks to the forward. And he says, this is what you're going to do. You know what those coaches are doing? They're telling them one thing. Because that coach has been watching that guy play. And he's saying, Okay, here's what you got to do. You're getting beat down low. You need to get in there and you get on the block and this is what you need to do. He's telling him one thing. The most important thing he tells him, he tells him right out of the chute. These guys came to Jesus and they said, when's the end going to be? And look what he says to him. He's like, oh, it's going to be when you see the sun and when you see the wars. No, look what he says. He says, take heed that no one deceives you. The first thing out of Jesus' mouth is take heed that you don't get tricked. Because I know what you are. You're sheep who jump into ditches. And he wasn't saying it in a mean way. He's just saying, just don't be deceived. Because guess what? What's the devil do? He already told him what the devil does. What's the devil do? It roams around like a what? Puppy dog, right? No. The devil's roaming the earth like a wild, like a lion. Going for the throats of the sheep to take them out of the game. And Jesus says, don't be deceived. I'm telling you, kids, don't be deceived. There's so much deception out there right now. You wouldn't believe the deception. It's amazing. I just asked the Lord, Lord, I want you to show me deception. Show me the deception in this world. And I'm seeing stuff. I'm, I can't believe it. I can't believe what's happening. People are being deceived all the time. And you're like, open up your eyes. Pay attention. This present age is so flippant that if a man loves the Savior, he's styled as a fanatic. If he hates the powers of evil, he's named a bigot. That was Charles Spurgeon in the 1800s. He goes, if you love the Savior, they're going to think you're wacko. You're a fanatic. Oh, I can dress up like a woman and say that I'm a woman when I'm really a man, and I can't call you a fanatic. But if I say Jesus Christ says that you're made in the image of God and how you were born, that's who you are. So Bruce Jenner, I'm not going to call you, Caton. You are Bruce Jenner because you are a man. You're a fanatic. You're a bigot. No, I'm not. I'm going to refute your lie. I'm going to refute that lie. Because that's what the word of God says. It's not what I said. It's just this dumb sheep saying, that's what my shepherd says. So with the Bible as my supreme authority, and I'm in the midst of a culture war. Actually, I'm going to tell you this. I got bad news for you. I think the culture war is over. I think it's over. We are not going to moralize. The culture war was all about, let's moralize our world. Let's moralize it. You know what I mean? I can go into here. I can moralize this. I can't moralize anything. So it's, it's, not about, it's not about me moralizing. I'm in a redemption. My agenda is, it's not a moral agenda. It's a, it's a redemptive agenda. It's all about redemption right now. So I'm going to do two things. Knowing that the Bible's true, I'm going to proclaim the gospel because the time is short. Whether your time is short, my time is short, Time is short. So I'm going to proclaim the gospel. Those are two things I'm doing right now. That's it. Until I, until the dew hits my eyes and I'm dead, I'm going to proclaim the gospel and I'm going to contend for the faith. I'm not going to let a lie go by. 
You say something that's against the word of God, I'm, I'm going to say it. Little kid comes up to me and says, I'm a girl. No, you're not a girl. This is a boy, and he says, I'm, not, I'm a girl. I'm not a girl. No, you might want to play with girls' toys and stuff, but you are not a girl. You are a boy. Look, I'm 14. No, you're not. You're seven. Right? If I'm going to confront a kid on their, on their age, I'm going to confront them on whether they're a boy or a girl. I'm going to tell them the truth. But, but you'll hurt their feelings. I don't know. I got my, my feelings hurt, get hurt all the time. All the time. It's okay. Get over it. Your feelings are going to get hurt. You're going to be viewed as a, as a fanatic or a bigot. It's okay. The word of God's true. Just stand on it. So those are two things I'm going to do. I'm going to proclaim the gospel, and I'm going to contend for the faith. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for today. We, we just love you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for opening our eyes to the truth that we're not deluded and we're not deceived. We thank you for the fact that we know your word is true now. We thank you for what you do and what it does. I thank you for these kids. I thank you for the way you've put them here to be trained, Father. Train them. Let every minute count while they're here, sitting under the teaching of your word, sitting under the teacher of people who love them, sitting under people who really want them to see you be conformed into the image of Christ. So thank you, Father, for them. Thank you for the school. Continue to direct them. Give them courage in this battle that we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening.